Coming up on The Cody Willard Show, The Trillion Dollar Trade War, Facebook's Data Leak, Americans' Trust of Autonomous Vehicles, and your questions. Ladies and gentlemen, the man who's never afraid to use the phrase full disclosure, Cody Willard! Welcome, welcome everybody to what is, I guess, the inaugural, the very first, hopefully not the finest, because we will have many more fine, many more finer episodes to come. This is the Cody Willard Show. I'm going to talk about all kinds of politics, finance, stock picks, revolution investing. Uh, today, I'm going to, you know, just last weekend, I was out on the Mescalero Apache Indian Reservation at the feast, watching a bunch of the Apache dancers late at night. And I've got some lessons that apply from what they were talking to me about there and what those dancers were doing and what the, how they apply to the economy, to the stock market, to society today. Stay tuned for that. I've got my chief executive producer. Hey, it's a C-level C- executive position there. And uh, Chris McHugh, thanks for joining me, Chris. Thanks for doing all of this and helping me get this whole thing up and running like this. The production quality looks fantastic. We're making the magic happen here. Absolutely. We got tariffs. We got trade wars. We got Brexit. Why don't you kick it off, Cody? You know, it's almost the same topic. That's a great way of phrasing it. It's tariffs, trade wars, Brexit. All of this stuff is happening in a geopolitical level. And most of the time... I tell my subscribers at tradingwithcody.com and go to tradingwithcody.com if you'd like to see all of my latest personal investments, all of my stock picks, get a trade alert every time I buy or sell anything. But most of the time, if the markets are freaking out over a geopolitical kind of thing like they were for Greece, remember when we had Greece financial crises over and over again five or six years ago, the market would get hit five or ten percent. You could buy that every time, even buy some call options if you're an aggressive trader. I'm more of a long-term investor, but I would take the opportunity to scale into some of those long-term positions because geopolitical events typically are not that important to the stock market. But when you have an entire trend, a geopolitical trend that's not just happening in Greece, which whose entire economy is smaller than Apple's market cap, by the way, Greece doesn't matter to the United States stock market. Apple matters more to the United States stock market than Greece ever will. But the United States government, the whole system, the Brexit, Europe, the EU, when an isolationist kind of trend is heading, when tariffs are going to be increasing costs, and as people are hitting upon, business leaders start to, they need stability, and they need to know what's out there to make long-term investments. And when all of those things are hitting, it can matter. Now, I'm not saying that this bubble-blowing bull market that we've been living through my entire, what, eight years since I left Fox and got back into investing, I've been investing in riding this bubble-blowing bull market, and I still think it's pretty much intact because, in large ways, the Federal Reserve, the Republican-Democrat regime, the Trump tax package, old Obamacare, new Trump care, fighting the Obamacare, 
All of the things that the government does continues to try to inflate profits, prop up profits at giant corporations that make up our stock market, and simultaneously with the Federal Reserve's help, prop up the stock market. And that's not over. But it, you should be aware that we have crashes even in bubble-blowing bull markets. You saw 2008. You saw 2000. The year 2000, the NASDAQ dropped 75%. And I expect we'll have another serious, significant, horrible stock market crash in my lifetime. But that's not necessarily right now. And all this gets back to what would cause something like that. Perhaps it would be tariffs. Perhaps it would be an escalating trade war. And for the idea that we're not yet in a trade war, but it's just maybe going to become a trade war, I think that's asinine. The minute the leader of the free world started talking rhetoric about a trade war and how he could win a trade war, that started a trade war. So we are in a full-fledged trade war. The one other thing I want to hit on is that it doesn't map, it doesn't hit immediately. These things will have unintended consequences, friendly fire casualties, other businesses, sectors, economic factors will be hit by t trade tariffs, Brexit, and the what I call the great trade war of the 21st century that we are already in. So you've got to be cautious, you've got to be careful, and you got to look at these things as potentially trend changing. And that's why it matters, but maybe not just yet. Cody, um, I'm just trying to get my order in here for a Trading with Cody uh, t-shirt that says bubble blowing bull market. Do you want blue or green? You know, uh, I think that I, I, Chris, it'd be even better if it were, say, um, boxer underwear, pajama pants for bubble blowing bull market. Uh, my bad, my bad. Pajama Go ahead, Chris. What do you got? You know what, man? The Dow's up 800 in the last week. Stocks have been in big rally mode pretty much for the last three, two, three weeks. There, Cody. What are your thoughts on the market now? So, okay, this ties right back into what we were just hitting with the tariffs and everything else. I am more cautious now than I was six months ago, than I was five years ago, but I'm certainly not as cautious and bearish about the stock market as I was, say, in 2007 when I closed my hedge fund and took a TV job, traded stocks for TV, for media. Now, I was I mentioned I, earlier, too, that I was actually out at the reservation, the Mescalero Apache Reservation, just outside of Ruidoso on Friday night. I was hanging out with Larry Geronimo and my best friends from childhood, Cyrus Wheeler. I've known these guys for 30 years, 40 years or more. It's actually, this is footage that I took from that night. And you'll see the dancers. Uh, the first clip here is of the drummers. But the dancers are always dancing in a clockwise circle. And the men, as you'll see here, are the elders, right? They're respected and they constantly have a, some rhythmic dancing and some rhythm and coordination to their movements and going in this clockwise circle. Now the little kids in the middle, painted in white without the headdresses, those kids, without the crowns, those kids are chaos. They represent chaos. 
and they don't have any set patterns. In the middle of the event, one of the kids started doing one of those modern dance moves. I don't even know what it was, but Larry at Geronimo sitting next to me was explaining this whole concept about the chaos and these children. It's that kid started doing that modern dance. They had no place at all at that beautiful ancient feast tradition. And he goes, that's so beautiful because that's chaos. It's the change. You can't control children. Those kids could change the world. And that is true in society today. That is true in the stock market. That's true in the economy. Societally speaking, there are children, my daughter, your kids, you and me. We can change the world. There is a set pattern out there. People have been doing things the same way in our country for so long. They've been voting Republican and Democrat. They've been partisan. They've been consuming partisan media. They've been part of a global corporate takeover. We don't have to do that. There could be children out there that are chaotic that will change the world for the better. Chaos is not always bad. Those children that were dancing were beautiful. Not there. You embrace chaos. That was that was what Lariat was trying to tell me. And that's what you have to do in society. You have to do that in the stock market. You want to go find, if you want to be a revolution investor, you've got to go find companies that are chaotic and revolutionizing the world and revolutionizing their sector. And with the economy, you've got to be aware that there could be some chaos coming that could undermine the bubble blowing bull market, that could undermine the corporate earnings growth. This long 10 year uh, economic expansion could go in a heartbeat with chaos. Be ready for it. All right, Cody. Hey, uh, FBI, SEC, FTC, DOJ, they're all investigating Facebook's data leak. Luckily, Jack Bauer's CTU hasn't heard about this yet. Investigators, however, are looking into what Facebook knew about the data collection sold to Cambridge Analytica. Cody, uh, you remind me of a young Jack Bauer sometimes. Um, what's your skinny on this? The lowdown, the poop? Let's keep it real, man. I would never work for the government, so I can never be a young Jack Bauer. I, you know, I'd love to be an action hero, but um, I'm going to have to be a, an, an Avenger-type action hero before the UN took over their organization. I've never actually seen any of the Avenger moves. I just saw 10 seconds of that clip the other day with Captain America rejecting global control of the Avengers. I was okay with that. I forgot the question. Oh, FBI, SD, the, the whole Facebook privacy thing. Now, the thing about that is that on the one hand, I don't believe anything that Zuckerberg and Facebook have admitted yet. They have just barely started admitting. And I've been saying that since the very day one, when you heard and saw Facebook's scrambling to let the world know that the world was about to find out that Facebook had all kinds of data breaches going back years. That's not over. There are so many more cockroaches out there. We're going to keep finding that. I welcome the investigation. I'm a, I'm a Facebook shareholder, so it hurts me that the government is going to crack down on these guys, I suppose, if they've broken laws. But I want to country run by rule of law. So absolutely, I am suspicious of what the commentary out of Facebook has been. 
And I welcome and hope that if there's any wrongdoing, if Facebook has been covering their hide and not fully disclosing and or misleading regulators, the government, the public, that there are consequences. I don't expect that will be the case, though. As always, the government gets captured by the very corporations they're supposed to be cracking down and regulating. And so just for example, the whole new EU regulations, the whole new Republican Democrat crackdown on privacy and trying to help people keep their supposed, their private, their data private, I suppose, which is, first of all, a shell game right now anyway. If you're on the internet, you're out there, man. The Google, Samba TV, Facebook, they're tracking you. They know what you're watching. They know what you're doing. You got to leave the internet. Alexa is listening to me right now. But the government isn't actually going to hurt Facebook. They're going to help it. That's much harder for a startup now to compete against Facebook. Do you think a social network could start on a shoestring today and possibly meet all of those cumbersome new regulations that Facebook has brought upon itself? No. So, as usual, stick with Facebook. I've owned the stock since it was at $20 a share, which makes it an official 10-bagger. Yet again, for the Trading with Cody subscribers who have owned it with me, we've got five or six of them at this moment. We should sell a little, by the way. If you haven't trimmed any Facebook and you own it since 20, sell 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%. Take a little off the table. Same thing I was talking about being cautious, but don't sell it all. Facebook's going to be all right. Back to you, Chris. Well, as they say in a uh, good old family feud, survey says three in four Americans don't trust autonomous vehicles. That's three in four Americans. Are these three Americans like ghosts living in the side of one American? Oh, well, I missed that day in math class. But in related news, in 1918, three in four Americans didn't trust aeroplanes. Hold on to your posterior, Cody. It's going to be a bumpy you know, it's ride. A, it is a bumpy ride, and it – I. I Speaking of which, I was actually in a driverless car back at CES in January. We, Neil Patrick Harris and I were doing a promotion and stuff, and he we had a driverless ride. He wanted to go to a show. Michael Jackson won. Didn't really enjoy the show very much, but I love Michael Jackson, love Neil Patrick Harris, and I loved my Lyft driverless ride powered by active technology. That being said, we got to a stoplight, and there was a cone on the road. And the active platform lift branded driverless car is going to hit the cone. Didn't, couldn't figure it out. So the driver had to go around it. He had to take control and go around it. But guys, that's a snapshot in time. That is six months ago. Even in the last six months, driverless technology has been revolutionizing chaotically. And it is changing and it's expanding and it is going to change and it's going to get better. And in 10 years, the data will prove it out that driverless buses, driverless semis, driverless cars, driverless planes, driverless submarines will be much safer than human error riddled human driven vehicles. And that's a, that, that, the go to driverlessrevolutions.com. That's where that headline came from. My buddy Tim over there 
is doing Tim McCollo, not to be confused with Chris McHugh. Tim over at Driverless Revolutions is doing some incredible analysis on what these on this driverless revolution and how it's going to be impacted. And that is one of the they, he made up that headline. I'm sure that was a really interesting underscore that today, uh, other than maybe Rain Man, everybody trusts airplanes better than driving a car. And in 50 years, people will only be driving rarely, if at all, and then only for fun. Nobody will actually be driving for uh, transportation purposes. It'll all be driverless and much safer. So you'll trust it, people. It's a coming. You know what? I like I like mailbags. And in case you guys don't know it, uh, but now you will. Cody reads all your questions submitted to him. He uh, then types them out in a typewriter. I think it's a royal. He mails them to me. I receive them from my letter carrier, who prefers to be called a mailman. And uh, this all builds up into a little thing we call Cody's mailbag. And the first one we got here, Cody, is will 5G come or are there roadblocks that the masses don't really envision? What a great segue, the way you introduced the mailbag segment, right? Because the first question is about 5G and the communications revolution. And you underscored how silly it is to, and this even goes back to the last point about airplanes uh, versus driverless cars. And you underscored how silly it is that anybody would actually type something out on a typewriter and mail it these days. And that being said, I sure wish I wrote handwritten letters and or typed letters and was sending, were sending them to my friends and stuff because I love to read books like have like Thomas Jefferson's correspondence or something in them. So there is something to be said for hard copy communication. But 5G, much like 4G, is taking us to a whole new world. If you think about it, the 5G revolution is built upon the 4G revolution, which is built upon the cellular revolution, which is built upon the communications revolution. Somewhere up there, there's the internet that was built upon the communications revolution too, all of which was built upon the electrical grid revolution. It's all chaos and revolutions built upon other chaotic revolutions. And it continues to change the world in ways we can't foresee. 5G is going to do the same. It's going to eliminate the need for Wi-Fi in your building. It's going to eliminate, because anywhere you go, you'll have much faster, constant speed with your 5G smartphone, your smart, your 5G driverless car. 5G will enable new technologies, new ways of communicating, just in the same way that the internet brought along email. And that you and I now laugh about the fact that I would use a mailman to bring you mail. <laughs> Slay me every time with those. Mailman. That was your line. You can't laugh at your own joke, Chris. I used your mailman line. I was trying to reference mailman back earlier, but yes, it is a great line, and that was good canned laughter. I enjoyed it. Cody, regarding Twitter, I realize we're in it for the long haul, but do you think this current issue could cause a further drop, say, $32? If so, I think we should gamble and sell some and buy it back cheaper. Rarely does the stock just go straight up. Your thoughts? The point being that look, Twitter has been hit and it's been hit hard. I'm actually going to go look at how that question was worded because it's, I think there's, there's actually, the guy was saying he was worried it would drop to specifically like $32 a share. Now, 
Train with Cody subscribers and I, we bought uh, Twitter probably 18 months ago, maybe up to two years ago, $14 a share. Darn near got it at its low. Um, it's now, you know, it ran up to 45 and uh, it's pulled back to 40 off the news that, as I mentioned yesterday, they're cleaning up their network. They're getting rid of spam and junk accounts and crap. And somehow, so the Washington Post wrote a report that said, hey, that's probably going to hurt their user growth this quarter. So the stock got hit 10% yesterday. I wouldn't worry about that at all. It's no big deal. Thanks, Piper. The, you want Twitter to clean up their platform. The only way that Twitter becomes a valuable communications platform over the next 30 years is for it to be truly clean and only have real people and real commentary. I don't want to read spam. I want to read Barry Riddles or Jim Cramer or, I don't know, Neil Patrick Harris. Twitter has run up a lot in the last month. You said a few months ago that you see upside to 50 if it produces growth in the next year or two. Given that view of upside, it would seem to make sense to trim here or take profits if I bought in the low 20s, no? Or do you see bigger upside than 50 down the road a year or two out? I wrote months ago when the stock was at 20 that if the company continues to show growth that the stock could get to 50. Well, it popped to 45 and now it's at 40. And I'm not saying that $50 is my ultimate price target. And that's, you got to sell Twitter if it ever gets to 50 and it's never going to go higher. No, I was just saying that I think it could at 50 this year if they really start showing continued growth like they have been. And so far they have. The stock gets pulled back. No stock's going to go straight up. That goes back to the other question. Like, should you sell it if you think it might go to 32? Well, sell a little bit. Maybe sell 10 or 20%. But you cannot time stocks like that. I can't, I've owned Apple since it was at a dollar per share. It's now at $190 per share. Do you know how many times the stock has pulled back 30 or 40, 50% in the last 17 years that I've owned it? 16 years, 2003, I guess, 15 years that I've owned it? A lot. And Twitter might pull back. And I might be wrong. It, maybe it never gets above 50 now. And guys, that's why it's hard to be an investor. And that's why you have to continually do your homework and think fresh and think free and try not to let partisan politics paint your approach to stocks. And you've got to be, you got to know you could be wrong. You got to know stocks get crushed. You got to know that for every Apple, Facebook, NVIDIA, Axogen, Bitcoin that you own that go up tenfold like they have for me, you're going to have a Fitbit that goes down 70%. So I don't have a crystal ball and trading with Cody subscribers know that, but they know that over the last 10, 15, 18 years that we've consistently outperformed the market by buying and holding for the long run, the very best revolutionary companies on the planet and taking some profits sometimes when they spike, buying a little more sometimes when they crash and being a free thinker. No easy answers. I, I can't tell you that sell Twitter now, buy it back at 36 and then sell at 52. I mean, that's, you guys know, that's ridiculous. Nobody can do that. The only sure thing in life is the only way to travel is Cadillac style. You know that, Cody, and I know that. Um, here we got a Twitter question here. Cody, is augmented reality 
a good medium-term investment. Are there any companies out there that look promising? Absolutely. I've even written a book several years ago, um, the virtual slash augmented, the VR slash AR revolution. Shocker, right? Um, and we own Sony as a good VR slash AR play. Um, Facebook, clearly, a VR, AR play. Um, and yes, there, there will be pure play virtual reality and augmented reality companies that come public in the next three months, six months, three years, five years, 10 years from now, there will be a great 10, yeah, $100 billion augmented reality pure play that you need to be in. But, uh, you know, it's, this is a revolution that's quite chaotic right now. And um, there's, of course, Snapchat, which is probably the purest play on augmented reality in 2018. And I don't own that stock and I don't like the management there. And I'm not going to buy the stock, even though I like augmented reality. Got one. It's real nebulous, but uh, I think you could handle it here. Uh, Cody, any new picks? That question is so interesting is because it underscores how even my long-term trading with Cody subscribers. That is a, a question from one of my long-term trading with Cody subscribers. And he wants a new pick. And I keep telling my subscribers for the last few weeks that I want new picks too. I wish I could find another Apple at a dollar or Facebook at 20 or NVIDIA at 28. But it doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. It's not like I can go, okay, well the picks today that are going to go up tenfold are these. I spend hours every day analyzing, thinking, researching, going through companies, making phone calls, trying to find an Axogen, which is nothing like I'd ever invested in because it's a nerve regenerative company. It's a small cap company, but I was opportunistic. Someone brought it to me. My best friend from college, who's a hand transplant surgeon at Johns Hopkins, said, dude, I'm using this company's products and it's really incredible, revolutionary. And so... I'm trying to find the next oxygen and I might have one. He just, Jamie, my boy, Dr. Shores sent me just last week an email that says, dude, this could be another revolutionary company. Just found it the other day. I've been using it, looking at it. Could you please analyze it? I know nothing about the business or how to analyze the stock itself, but what do you think? So I'm doing that one. And maybe that'll be our next pick. But as I always tell Trade with Cody subscribers, sometimes the very most important trade to make is no trade at all. Most of the time, the best trade to make is no trade at all. Jesse Livermore, the greatest trader, stock trader who ever lived, best quotes are all about how he never made any money trading. It was always sitting that made him big money. And so I, I'm trying to find them, but I'm going to be patient and you guys will have to be too. And if you can't wait for the next pick, you're probably going to go get burned somewhere else. I don't know that my next pick will go up tenfold, but I know that I will have poured my heart and soul into making sure that I have found a company that I think could, that I think has a good possibility of doing that not just randomly picking a company because people want to trade. Slow down. All right, Cody. Hey, 
the mailbag runneth over, but now it's empty. Uh, let's wrap it up with that, guys. Be careful out there. Be bullish. Believe that this is the greatest time and place ever to be alive in the history of the planet, and it is. But we can always make it better. 